0: to Hashtag Travel Talks. It's your podcast on the latest digital trends in travel and tourism marketing. And here's your host, Nolly Nicholas.
1: Welcome to a new episode of Tauracast. And today, I had a great pleasure to receive uh, David Curran. So welcome, David. Good morning. Uh, Hello. So can you present yourself, please?
0: Well, I'm a computer scientist who works in Dublin in Ireland. Uh, my background is in data analysis, and I've worked for IBM Watson, where I help make chatbots for Mercedes, Credit Mutual, La Caixa, Barclays, Orange Bank, in various different languages. At the moment, I'm working for OpenJaw Technologies in Dublin, where I'm mainly working in Chinese and a bit of Spanish and English as well. Okay, thank you for your presentation. So
1: I contact you because you are going to talk at the Travel Forward in London on the subject of creating chatbots, strategy for China and beyond. So can you tell us
0: why did you choose that subject? Well, I suppose um, a good place to start would be to sort of define chatbots because, you know, maybe some people haven't been fully experienced. If you go on websites now or sometimes in Facebook, there's a little... Uh, instant messenger window in the bottom of the corner where you can type to this, ask a questions, and uh, ideally you can answer your questions and maybe help you with certain things like booking in and stuff. So that's the chatbot. It's an automated, uh, smart, intelligent uh, agent that helps you with your problems. In a good way, what's happened now is they've become kind of boring. Two or three years ago, they were kind of new and exciting and everything, but now they're boring, and that means they're actually becoming really useful. So I'm going to talk in London about uh, the techniques and the people you need in your organization to develop chatbots and also just a bit of my experience with how dealing with China is kind of different than the culture over there.
1: Okay, so can you tell us
0: first, especially about the techniques of chatbots? So if you think about it, there's people in most organizations that are really good at this stuff. So your marketing department knows how to define your brand and how you should act. And every time you talk to a chatbot, that interaction is defining your brand. You know, if you're a serious company, a British Airways, you have a certain way of talking. If you're, you know, a younger, you know, more, you know, more, more aimed at younger people, there's a different way of talking. And the marketing people are really good at defining that, the personality and the persona, and this area of chatbots. Other than that. Customer service actually know the answers to the questions. They know what problems people come in with and they know, you know, what the actual solutions are. So customer service is really the sort of the soul of the chatbot. They really know the right answers. On top of that, you have uh, uh, you have things like the ability to write good answers. Uh, it's not something everyone has. So, you know, the, the people who write the documentation can sometimes polish up what the marketing and uh, customer service do to make it sort of, again, better match the brand. And finally, then you need uh, what we call a cognitive engineer or somebody's who's built chatbots before to understand things like accuracy of the answers, uh, to look at things like if dialogues are failing where they might be failing. Sorry, I like to define that now. So a dialogue here is something like if someone's trying to book in a ticket or trying to do something that takes a number of steps, it's a bit more complicated, but adds an awful lot of value. To a chatbot, and those things have to, be, and the logs of those conversations have to be looked at carefully to make sure you keep improving the chatbot.
1: Okay, and um, do you think a chatbot car can be, for example, I would say,
0: twenty four hours
1: PR, for example, because they are always available for the brand?
0: Yes, I do. I do like chatbots that if something goes wrong, you can hand over to a real life customer service agent what we do is sort of the 80-20 rule. We we aim to cover 80% of the use cases, but quite simple. So 80% of the calls to a call center will tend to be 20% of the actual problems, you know, the reset password, the common issues people have. But that still leaves the occasional call at the end. That's, you know, quite difficult and it will need a person to deal with. Uh, So that leads to two things. The first is that chatbots don't tend to actually... uh, you know, reduce employment, what tends to happen is your employees stay longer because they're doing more interesting work. Mm -hmm. Uh, The customer service representatives who are really good at the job kind of move up the value chain, a bit like in banks, where banks used to be just people handing out money. But then when ATMs came along, uh, banks became, you know, the people who worked in banks were, you know, dealing with loans and dealing with more high value issues. Uh, the second issue is that means I don't like when you can't hand over to a customer service agent. Sometimes uh, that has to happen. So out of hours or whatever, you'll have a chatbot will help you where it can. And if it can't help you, it will gather enough information so that in the morning when there is people there, they have the information to be able to help you really quickly.
1: Okay. So we talk about the basics of chatbots. So now we talk about the strategy. What are the the good question before we have to ask myself for example if i
0: need to create a credible chatbot strategy Sorry, that's a good question uh, <laughs> so one of the obvious ones is is the cost as in mm-hmm. how many people are we paying in our customer service center at the moment you know and what percentage of those questions are kind of you know boring repetitive questions if you have a large customer service center and they're speaking German or one of these languages that's quite expensive to staff, and you look at the questions and reading through them, you can see that, you know, they're easy to answer questions. That's a really good use case right there. You can see number of people, number of questions, how much it's costing you per you know per, per, per time someone picks up the phone or someone answers a, a chat message. Uh, so cost is always going to be a driver. At the end of the day, though, it has to be a better service just making chatbots because things are cheaper, you know, that's not what we want. What we want to do is get answers to people quicker, faster, get them using your service more and happy with your service. So, while cost can be a driver, the fundamental driver has to be a better service for your customers. Okay, and can you tell us what is the thinking of chatbot
1: in China? Because it's the, the topic of your uh, presentation.
0: The so, I've recently been working with a Chinese team here in Openjaw and I was just amazed by, by China and the scale of everything over there. Have you, have you worked in China as well? No, not yet, but I heard a lot and they
1: are so much advanced in terms of using the, the apps, especially for Weibo and so mm. on and they can do almost everything with one app and i still understand why it's not the same here in let's say western countries
0: it's even just wechat is fascinating if anyone you know hasn't downloaded wechat and played around with it do it's it's amazing it's sort of like a whatsapp but does so much more so for example the mm-hmm. beggars in beijing will have their wechat open you can scan their wechat and give them a few or mb you know bake bowls and expecting change is just old-fashioned now, you have to, if you're going to be taking donations from people, you hold out your smartphone. <laughs> these sorts of things are just, they're, they're incredible when you see them. And, you know, the the sort of the bicycles piled up everywhere that were rented out, that's now been fixed, actually, but uh, you know, the first time I went there, there's just piles of bicycles from these rental bike schemes and, again, you unlock them with your phone, it costs 20 cents or something for an hour, and it happens almost instantly. It's just how people travel around. The general scale of the infrastructure and the building in China is just amazing. Like, I've worked in Dubai for the Dubai government, built chatbots, and that's big, but you can tell it's big in a small area. Whereas China, you're driving for two or three hours, and you can see a motorway being st- constructed beside you all the way. And it's just, it's just a huge scale of investment. Even just in terms of number of people, there's, there's more graduates graduating from university in China this year than there is people in Ireland, you know, it, it's that level of, okay. it's like 6 million people or something graduating from university this year. And, you know, they're, they're very competent. They work very hard and it's just an amazing opportunity for the world in, in the, in the brains of China now being put to good use. That makes. <laughs> uh, there is differences obviously with the sort of corporate culture and how people act, uh, I don't think they are something to be too scared of. Like any new country you work in, if you work in Spain or France or Germany or you know in, in the Middle East, there is going to be cultural differences. Of uh, mm-hmm. course, they exist in China. It's, it's a slightly more hierarchical situation. Whereas in Ireland, if someone has an idea, they'll pipe up and tell you what they think. And maybe they're they're less willing to do it in China. So you kind of have to encourage your team more that if you have an idea, if you have an opinion. Make sure you're. Make sure you tell it. And it can take some time with new employees that I'm working with that they understand that that you know I you do have an open door that they understand Chinese language. I need their I need their input. In, you know, for to make the product as good as we can. Okay, and um, concerning the chatbot, how do you
1: explain that the use are far more wide in China than in
0: Europe? The which are far more words, sorry? The the use of chatbots. So, there's a few issues. One of the things is the voice, uh, understanding voice, so speech to text technology in China is just amazing. Uh, Some of that is to do with the language, that (laughs) as a tonal language, it's it's easier for computers to understand. Some is to do with the amount of data. Some is to do with just how good, you know, some of those computer scientists are. Uh, But you can do things with voice in China that you just cannot yet do with European languages. Our accents are too different. And in in, in China, they just those. Every now and again, I meet someone who has a startup idea using voice, and I chat to them for a bit, and they're like, mm, I don't know if this will quite work yet. Our accuracy of understanding what people say isn't quite high enough yet. Whereas those ideas will work in China. Their accuracy is high enough that those new startup voice ideas just work in China. Whereas here, there's still an awful lot of work to get those things working. Uh, the other issue with chatbots is just uh, people are comfortable using them. They they've used them before. They understand the limitations. They kind of understand uh, what they can and can't do. One of the things that happens here is as soon as people get a chatbot, rather than try and you know perform their task, they try and break it. You know, kick the tires if you were. And of course, sometimes you're going to succeed. But once you use a chatbot a few times trying to break it just becomes less exciting. So it's why I have a chatbot here to help me book in. I'm going to use the book <laughs> in. I'm not going to try and tell it a joke or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's more, saying in a useful way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, for, it's, yeah, so it's like the
0: first time you went into the off. internet that you, you messed around and you just, but you didn't have a thing to do. You were just there because it was the internet. Whereas once you get used to internet, and you're trying to do your tasks, yes. you just use it.
1: So, so what do you see now in the future of the use of the chatbots?
0: I think it's good that we're building a community around chatbots. For example, in Dublin, I run a, a Chai meetup up every month for people in Dublin who are interested in chatbots. Uh, we have a conference on October 17th, con for con uh, Dublin is trying to get a sort of a reputation in Dublin where conversations happen. We're trying to get the idea that Dublin is uh, a leader in conversational interfaces. So. We're trying to work here with the community to try and cause that, to to help that happen. In terms of travel, I think that as the sort of first generation, almost toy chatbots have been built and people have learned the lessons from those about who they need in their team, what Mm -hmm. metrics they need, all these sort of metrics, all these sort of learnings that you only get from actually doing. And now the second generation, the ones that involve not just simple, Frequently asked questions, answering, but also dialogues back and forth to help people do tasks. I think now that those are coming on stream, we're going to see an awful lot more usage of Chatbot and an awful lot more value from them. Okay. So, David, thank
1: you for all your insight. And uh, now, as a final question, is what was your most memorable
0: travel? It, this isn't particularly memorable, but it's just it's 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 something that stuck in my mind. When you're getting out of an elevator, a lift in China, there's a mm-hmm. sort of dance people do because the most the most high up in the hierarchy the most respected person leaves first. So everyone does a dance to show their respect to you. And I thought this was really strange. And then one of the Chinese person I was, I was explaining this to I, uh, that I thought this was I just, it was a new thing for me. He explained to me that. In the West, if you don't face the door of a lift, of an elevator, people think you're mad. As soon as you get into a lift, you immediately face the door. And there's no rule written down that says that. So no. it's, it's only a tiny thing, but it's, I think it's a good way to remember that if you go to China and if you're working in China, some things might be a bit different, but we all have different culture and different rules that we don't know about. And we, we learned it eventually, and you know you can learn it eventually too. <laughs> Okay, so um, I will know for the next time I go to China. Or or try that, next time you get into a lift, don't, you know, look at the back of the lift and see how people react. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, David,
1: uh, now, can you tell us how
0: we can reach you on internet? Uh, Well, I am on LinkedIn. If you do a search for David Curran in OpenJaw, uh, I'll connect with you there. And if anyone's coming along to London, please come on to my talk, or if not, we can meet for a cup of tea uh, at some stage. Okay. okay. Uh, I will talk. do, because I used to.
1: Yeah, I go to London for the fun, so. <laughs> Brilliant. So, David, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And uh, I wish you all the best with your chatbot projects. Brilliant. Thank you very
0: much. Talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.